0: It's very troubling to see how climate change has, you know, affected not only our subsistence ways of life when we go hunting, we go, um, you know, fishing for salmon, but it's also um, have literally like physically like ruined our communities. You're seeing communities that have been there for thousands of years having a forced relocate because of rising sea levels. And, you know, these are things that our elders have been predicting. They said that the ice was rolling, yet no one really listened. And people really need to think about just, like, what it means to center Native people when we have conversations, not only about the earth, but about how we protect the environment. Because this is something that Native people have been doing for thousands of years.
1: That was Charity Rapati. And though she's only 20, she has spent years fighting for the rights and voices of Native Americans. But she doesn't call her work activism. Charity says that for indigenous people, it's a means of survival. I'm Milan Verveer and this is Seneca's 100 Women To Hear. We are bringing you 100 of the world's most inspiring and history-making women you need to hear. A student at Columbia University in New York City, Charity Rapati is from Anchorage and her family background includes indigenous Alaskan and Polynesian heritage. Much of her work has focused on ensuring that schools teach the histories that are too often neglected, the stories of indigenous people and people of color. With the help of two professional educators, She already has developed a curriculum for Anchorage Public Schools. In 2019, she was honored as a champion for change by the Center for Native American Youth, and she is the treasurer of the Native American Council. Listen and learn why Charity Rapati is one of Seneca's 100 Women to Hear. I'm here today with Charity Rapati, who was the 2019 Center for Native American Youth Champion for Change. Welcome, Charity. Hi, thank you for having me. Now, I know you're still a student at Columbia University, uh, and you've been a strong advocate for Native rights. Um, What issues are on your front burner right now, and how are you working on them?
0: Yeah, so right now, um, the work that we do currently in Anchorage is really focusing on uh, not only indigenizing um, education, um, but really focusing on curriculum and centering the voices of black and native people. Um, so currently we have been working um, in high schools here in Anchorage and have been teaching the students about ideas that, that are literally rooted in anti-racism, um, but also ideas that we felt, um, you know, we wish we learned, but we were back in high school. So, um, I currently go to Columbia and a lot of the readings that I've been introduced to, um, by Black radicals, um, weren't really introduced. I didn't, was re- wasn't really introduced to those readings until I got, um, you know, into my first year at Columbia. And so the work that I've been doing, um, back home in Alaska, I've been doing it since I was 16, 15 really focusing on indigenizing curriculum but also really thinking about what it meant to see yourself when you learned about the history you know of your land and the history um of your people um, but also focusing on how you can make the experience of uh, native kids better than it is right now and it's really crazy because um i started high school in 2016 then i graduated in 2019 and a lot of the issues I've had to navigate to get where I am are issues that a lot of other Native students still have to face, even in 2021. So really thinking about how you can make, really personalizing the work. It's very deep, but also thinking about how what it means to see yourself um, and what you learn. So um, really, I've been really focusing on education. I also study uh, civil engineering. At Columbia. And so really seeing how climate change has affected our communities has been pretty revealing. And so we saw that the majority how it affected Native communities here, there was a lot of coastal erosion, a lot of permafrost degradation. And it's really, really cool to see other Native folks get into that work and, you know, serving Native people um, to address um, these deep-rooted issues like permafrost, but also just climate change. Um, because it's a literal matter of survival, but those are a few things that you know we've been doing here back home. Charity, it seems you've been an
1: activist for years and yet you're still so very young. Uh, you were a champion for change when you were still a teenager. What was important to you when you got that award? Uh, what does your role mean to you? Uh, has it been encouraging? Was it a great incentive to spur you on?
0: Yeah, um, the reward was, I'm, I just turned 20, um, this past month. So it's crazy because I'm still in community with a lot of the people that I met. Um, back when I was, you know, 17, when I first got the, you know, um, award from the Center for Native American Youth. Um, and it's, they're such an amazing team. And I'm so, so thankful, um, you know, for the community, um, that I have there, but also even the platform that they gave me. Um, so a lot of the work I did was here back home in Anchorage, but also back in my village, um, uh, which is near Buffalo. And so it was just really, really cool to see so many other native youth, um, not not only from Alaska, but I met people from Washington, I met people from New Mexico, from um, you know, the reservation in Monument Valley in Utah, um, in DC and New York City. Um, and these are people that I'm still very close with people who I'm still friends with. And it's just, it's honestly really beautiful, um, to see how they approached, um, you know, these issues that we saw back in the reservation or back in our communities and our villages, um, when it came to issues like suicide prevention, um, issues like climate change or education, or even, um, you know, the missing and murdered indigenous woman crisis, um, these are such beautiful and intelligent, um, native youth. And it was honestly just such a powerful, but like one thing I'm going to always like emphasize is it was like really amazing and rewarding experience. Um, because these are people that I'm still friends with and people, um, you know, that we reach out to, um, if we need help with a project or if we need help just amplifying a lot of You know, the the specificities of like what exactly we're fighting for. So a lot of my work focuses on education and curriculum, but even just like climate change too. And one thing that I always like to know is that we don't, I don't necessarily think of it as activism. These are means of survival. This is a means of kind of just navigating our identities. Um, We are people who, we are either children, you know, of people who survived residential boarding schools, or there are folks who have been to those. You know, we're survivors of, you know, colonialism. Uh, yet you see all of these Native youth take such a beautiful approach to like deal with these issues. Um, and so one thing that I've really liked seeing these, honestly, these past few years is how our people approach identity and what we think when we think about representation, whether it's in education or, um, representation in climate change activism or just those different fields, because it all comes to a matter of survival. It comes to um, a matter of visibility and how we're actively fighting for the visibility of our people, you know, in this country, but even in the face of like settler colonialism. So it's been such like a rewarding experience and I'm so thankful for the Center for Native American Youth. But yeah, it's, that's such an amazing question. Thank you for asking that.
1: You said it well when you said, I'm not just an activist or we're not just activists. You're really grappling with problems and challenges that you have to live with every day. And I'm so interested because it is the existential threat of our time. You mentioned climate change so many times. Uh, Do you see the impacts of that already in Alaska, where you lived, uh, where you are in Anchorage now? Uh, How are you uh, trying to address that?
0: Yeah, so I'm currently studying and doing research on permafrost degradation um, in our native communities here right now, and it's very troubling to see how climate change has, you know, affected not only our subsistence ways of life when we go hunting and go, um, you know, fishing for salmon, but it's also um, have literally like physically like ruined our communities. You're seeing coastal erosion in coastal communities here in Alaska, like in Shishmarath. Um, you're seeing communities that have been there for thousands of years having to force relocate because of rising sea levels. Um, and, you know, these are things that our elders have been predicting. They said that the ice was rotting. They said, you know, these things are going to happen. Um, yet no one really listened. The government didn't listen. They continued to drill for oil. They continued, um, you know, to value, uh, you know, those natural resources and the lives of the people who've lived there for thousands of years. Um, so these are things that even my grandparents, you know, talked about. These are things that elders back home in our communities have talked about. Um, so it's been, it's been affecting a lot of our people. You're seeing people have less salmon than they did before. You're seeing people not have as many berries when they go out picking in the tundra. Um, so it's really, really scary. And like one thing that I always say that when I'm just invited to a podcast or in this to like talk about these issues is that people need to listen people need to amplify the voices of native people and people really need to think about um just like what it means to center native people when we have conversations not only about the earth but about how we protect the environment because this is something that native people have been doing for thousands of years it's rooted in how we hunt it's rooted in how we subsist from the land um because when we, I don't like the word take, but when we, you know, hunt or we get berries from the land, there's intention with it. We're cautious of how much we take. We're cautious um of what we need to give back um, to the earth. We're cautious of, okay, this is, I only need this much for, you know, the winter. We're cautious of those things. And um people really need to think about uh What it means to center Native people when we have these conversations, because if that was something, you know, that people did in the beginning, I honestly don't think we would be at the state that we are uh, right now.
1: Do you feel a sense of empowerment or do you feel powerless uh, when it comes to the kinds of climate impacts you've just been describing, uh, where, you know, livelihoods are being constrained, there's displacement? what do you say to your peer um leaders, the young folks, about what they can be doing about this?
0: Yeah, so um a lot of native youth are just already cognizant of what's happening. Um it's one thing that I stress is climate education. One thing that I've noticed these past honestly few years is that climate spaces are very um, you know, white. Um they're it's just not okay at this point. When you think about climate change and climate education and think about those who are, you know, uh, rewarded. We think about like Greta Thunberg, who's been um, just like centered and amplified and she's done amazing work, but there are native youth, you know, here, um, people like Autumn from Canada, you know, who is was 14, 13, you know, when she spoke about the water rights of her reservation, We've been talking about this for, you know, it stems back, even back to our elders. So really thinking about how we need to center, um, you know, Native people, because honestly, from what I'm seeing, it can be very disheartening seeing how climate change has, has affected um, our communities. Um, but at the same time, just time and time, I see so many Native youth, especially um, just do the work. That's that's honest, that's so powerful within itself. And I think just Native youth just existing and enjoying the things that they do, um, being happy is such a beautiful um, thing to see, you know. So I think that within itself is really, really powerful. Seneca's 100 Women to Hear will be back after this short break.
1: Listening to your um, enthusiasm and your commitment, I was going to ask you about your background, about where did you grow up? What was it like growing up? And um, what made you or
0: inspired you to do the kinds of things you're doing today? So one thing, I am Samoan and Yupik, so I'm also, you know, Polynesian and Alaska Native. Um, so I grew up in Anchorage, which is, you know, one of the biggest cities in Alaska. So I've had access to resources that um, a lot of people back in my community didn't really have. And I really have to thank my mom for that. Um, what's really beautiful just about just Native culture or just, you know, Indigenous communities in general is that, you know, our mothers, our grandmothers, the matriarchs within our life are the literal backbones of our community. You know, Um so a lot of the work that I do, um, a lot of the person that I am, um, is because of my mother and my father, um, who told me that we, we just, these are things that we understood. The issues that I saw in education, um, it literally rooted, you know, when I first started school and I saw, uh, you know, the gap between, you know, my experience, you know, as a native kid, my siblings experience as native students, um, you know, At these schools, um, you know, versus the experience of, you know, students who are well-resourced, students, you know, who are white, um, and how the history that we learned since we were younger literally denied the existence of um, myself and my other Native classmates. And so I went to the Anchorage School District um, since I was kindergarten until, you know, I graduated my senior year. And um, it's one of the most diverse schools districts in the nation we have folks from everywhere we have um all asian people you know um we have mixed native it's just it's such a diverse community yet you saw this gap where when you entered um a classroom like ap classes or when you entered um advanced courses it was predominantly white spaces you know um and that's not okay um and when we learn that history in that classroom, it, like, again, it denies the existence, you know, of the people that came, you know, before all of that. Um, so I began my work um, because of my experiences when I was a kid, but also just even having conversations with a lot of my aunts and my mother and my grandmother, um, and just seeing, like, how, uh, you know, deep these issues were, like, these were things that, you know, my mother did when she was back at school. These are things that my aunts did who continue to do work here um, in Alaska, work for and made by Native um, people. So, um, you know, one thing um, that's just really weird about all of this is that when people think or see our Native communities, they see it in a really negative light. And I, I don't like that. My family doesn't like that because... Um there's like a lot of these issues are literally because of historical trauma and because um of this country's refusal to reconcile, you know, what's happened. Um so yeah, I got into my work, you know, because of my family, but especially because of the matriarchs in my life. And, you know, I definitely wouldn't be where I am without them.
1: You've mentioned uh, your mother a couple of times now, and I I heard that she also taught you uh, your native language, uh, which you said, you know, represents thousands of years of experiences. Can you explain that a bit more? Uh, Why is language so important in this instance?
0: Yeah. So language is just important because in some ways that's your only way to communicate with elders back in the community. Um, So, for me, my mom, I'm just really proud of her. Like she grew up in the village and then she came to Anchorage um, so that me and my siblings, um, you know, can go to college. So my older sister also goes to college, um, but she was one of the first people in our family to go to college. And so she's always um, prioritizing valued education um, and especially with language. Um, so that's like the only way you can communicate with elders sometimes. Um but it's also something that's very intimate and something that you can keep within even your own community. And I think that's such a beautiful thing considering what happened during the residential boarding school era when um, missionaries literally came to Alaska, um, forcibly put Native children in these schools and told them that they couldn't speak their language. So there's history behind that, you know. Um, and when you see Native youth who know their language it's such a beautiful thing because, you know, that's a sign of healing. That's a sign of, you know, taking a step to reconcile, you know, what's happened in the past. Um, so that's something my mom has always valued. And I'm really, really grateful for her and my grandmother because, um, you know, me and my sisters and my younger brother, we would not be where we are, you know, without the work that they put in, but also without the uh, multiple conversations that they had with us almost every day about the importance of culture, about the importance of, you know, holding autonomy over our own bodies and holding autonomy over our own culture and identities and what that means. Um, it's something that I'm really, really grateful for.
1: Well, you said so many wonderful things about uh, your mother and, in fact, your grandmother, and it reminded me about how important it is when women are empowered. Um, why, why do you think women's
0: leadership is so crucial? And maybe especially at this time, yeah, that's I love that question. It's really cool to see, especially you know, what native women are doing, but one thing that I always um, say is that a lot of what native people are fighting for have achieved because of the organizations or because I don't like calling it activism, but because of the organizing that they do in their communities is because of women, you know it's because of native women. Um, a lot of the ideologies, a lot of the you know sentiments a lot of the ideas you know that come about literally fighting against colonialism are because of like native scholars you know who are women um and it's really it's, it's interesting because these are even conversations that i've had with um some of my other native friends back at school um and we literally talk about how um the matriarchs arts within our life and the women within our communities are the reason why you know they function and the reason why You know, we're so rooted like in our culture and especially now it's, you know, great to see this movement. But one thing I want to say is that, like, when we learn about, you know, the history of women like back in school, it's it really only focuses on, you know, the voices of white women. Um, So really thinking about how a lot of what we have today and a lot of, um, you know, the things that we're able to today, the things that we're able to learn even in school you know are because of black and native women you know and it's something that i'm grateful for but it's also like really beautiful like i'm really thankful for like like i feel like because i'm older now um and because of just the amazing native woman that i saw growing up i'm confident um not only with like myself but also just certain parts of my identity and it's just a really beautiful thing to see when you see other native girls just grow into that you know well i'm
1: wondering um You know, you've talked about so many impacts on the community and we've all just been going through this horrible time that the pandemic has presented us with. Uh, How has COVID affected Native American communities? Um, And I I presume that you left school and you've been back in Alaska for the better part of over a year, right? Mm
0: -hmm. I've been back home in Alaska Um, for the past year. So one thing I want to say first is that I don't speak for all Native American communities. Um, I am just one person. I'm Alaska Native, um, and I grew up in Anchorage. Um, But it's been very, here in Alaska, seeing how it's affected um, just our rural communities has been honestly very devastating. Um, And just seeing not disproportionately affected Native folks, even like back home in the Navajo Nation, um, but even here in Anchorage, COVID really affected um, Polynesian communities. Here, we saw a lot of our elders um, just pass away, and um, that was hard to see because when you lose an elder, you know, from your community, you lose knowledge, you lose hundreds of years you know, of knowledge that was passed down from those that came before them. But you also lose that person, someone who was you know close to their children, close to their grandchildren um so that's been hard you know um but also really thinking about how this has affected the mental health of native kids you know um thinking about how you know having an axe having access to a computer wi-fi um that could be really inaccessible you know for low-income kids so um it hasn't been easy i know um it can be honestly, I don't know, for the experience of like other students, dehumanizing sometimes when you're speaking to a screen, when you know you have conversations in history or when you're doing an assignment. Um, so I do want to like talk. It's 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 been hard, but also um, I love being home. Um, I love Alaska, and I definitely think being home has been really healing for me, especially after my first year, you know, at Columbia. Because those institutions, I believe institutions can be so, so violent. Um, You know, Colombia is literally named after Columbus, but really thinking about how, you know, those institutions um, profit off of settler colonialism and, you know, our mechanisms of that. Um, So being home, um, being able to see my family. Um, I got to see, you know, one of my aunts and uncles you know, after a year of not seeing them, I got to see some of my cousins, you know, we're all fully vaccinated, you know, because of the work that the Alaska Native Medical Center has done, like Alaska was one of the first states, um, you know, to first, you know, vaccinate like 16 year olds. So it's been really, really cool to see how Native people, you know, all the reason why that's happening. Um, So yeah, I do want to say, like, I talk about that hard stuff first, because it's really, really important that, you know, we've maintained that transparency, but it being home has been healing. Being able to see family members again um, has been amazing. Um, yeah, and just being with family has been super nice. So, Charity, where do
1: you see yourself someday uh, after you get through your education? Do you see yourself back in Alaska?
0: Yeah, um, I really want to work back home. Really want to. So I'm studying civil engineering, and I really just want to focus on you know geotechnical, but also thinking about how, like all of these things are related. So they're not isolated things. So you have a lot of native people who are interested in STEM, and but also you know the work they do for education. So I really, really want to do work home back in my community, um, just to think about how we can fight against climate change using um engineering, using um thinking about permafrost degradation. So I'm hoping hopefully you know in a few years I'll be there after I graduate but um that's where I really see myself after
1: Well I'm sure you will get there because you sound like a very highly motivated committed young woman and before we we leave this conversation um I wonder if you could tell native american and indigenous youth the the kinds of young people with whom you are working and spoke so lovingly about at the center where you find yourself right now, uh, particularly young girls, what are words of wisdom? What what would they be if you could impart them to a wider group?
0: Yeah. Um, one thing that I always say to um, just Native kids, but especially to Native girls, is that, you know, you could be superheroes, you can be astronauts, you can be ninjas. Um, you know, you're allowed to dream and you know, pursue that. Um, don't let anyone to tell you that you're not. You can literally, you know, go to galaxies. And I, this is something that my mom has always told me, my sisters, when we were kids, and I always thought it was cheesy. But now that, you know, I'm older, this is such a critical thing. Um, find people who support those big dreams. Find um, a community who support those dreams because, you know, they are very much possible. Um, you know, I went from, you know, a little kid, you know, thinking about going to college and thinking about, you know, how I want to be, you know, a scientist, because I saw those forms of, you know, representation when I was a little kid. And I really want Native youth to understand that these are things that you can do. You can be a director or a dancer, because, you know, we are the original, you know, storytellers, we are the original artists of this land. So I especially want Native girls to understand that, to know that, and whatever aspects, um even if I don't know you, I will always support like the dreams of the like, native kids, because um when you think about the kids from our communities, you know they're the future um but their dreams you know are so innocent, but they're also so powerful because um these are things that they're capable of um but yeah that's 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 what I would say
1: well, thank you for that uh it, those are are wonderful words, uh and I know behind them are the strong feelings that you possess, uh, as well as your deep, deep commitment to make a difference. Thank you for sharing all of this with us today, uh, and especially for illuminating us about uh, working with your people, with Indigenous, with Native American youth in particular. And I wish you well on behalf of all of our listeners as you go forward to continue to make a difference. Charity Rapati, thank you for being with us.
0: Liana Joknick, thank you so much.
1: There is so much to learn from the wisdom of Charity Rapati. Here are three things I took from that conversation. First, it's important for all of us to learn the stories of the very first inhabitants of this country. And when we celebrate the voices of women throughout history let's make sure that those voices are not just white women's, but also the voices of Native and Black and Brown women as well. Second, let's follow the example of the Native populations that have a tradition of women's leadership. Charity tells us about the Native women who have organized their communities, fought for their ideas, and used their scholarship to illuminate Native histories finally we can take hope for the future when we see the work that native youth are doing they're speaking up about climate change and they're taking a stand for their rights and their traditions as charity says their efforts are honest powerful and very beautiful tune in next thursday to hear about our next featured woman and discover why she's one of Seneca's 100 women to hear.
0: Seneca's 100 Women to Hear is a collaboration between the Seneca Women Podcast Network and iHeartRadio, with support from founding partner P&G. Have a great day!
1: Hey everyone, this is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude Tanneritos. Or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. You know that feeling when you walk into your home, take a deep breath, and feel new? Well, that's what it's like to use Clorox Sentiva. Because Clorox Sentiva smells like coconut, cleans like Clorox, and feels like energy. It'll elevate any cleaning routine to not just clean, but also make every room smell like a tropical coconut getaway. Discover how Clorox Sentiva's powerful clean and refreshing scents can transform your space. Get yours in coconut or other fabulous scents at a nearby retail store. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge.